obviously I know there's no question for me that this is my purpose and that this is what I was put on this earth to do. But sometimes I struggle with, well, do I actually know what I'm talking about? Welcome to the I Find Women Show, where we are talking to one entrepreneur about one huge problem in her business, and we are going to help her solve it. I'm your host, Karen Kahn. My team and I founded I Find Women to help female entrepreneurs get access to the capital, the expert coaching, and the lucrative connections all designed to grow our ideas into profitable, sustainable businesses. Let's do this. Oh my goodness. Lauren. Morris. I'm going to yes. have to get used to that. I know. I know. I'm still getting used to it myself. How is life as a married entrepreneur versus being an unmarried entrepreneur? <laughs> I'd say it's about the same, honestly, but it's good. Things are, are busy, but we love that. We thrive with the busyness. So I know. And I see you so consistently because obviously you're running a real business with consistent customers and, mm -hmm. you know, an IRL space. And I just get so lit up every time I see you posting stuff from class or like the students. I mean, there's, it just seems like you guys have so much going on all the time at the studio. Yes, definitely. And we've had recently several different events. So listeners, here's the deal. We at the iPhone women show are just all about sharing the journey and what started as kind of a coaching podcast, which it sort of still is has evolved into really not only giving people some tactical practical and helping them with a problem that maybe they're working on, but also just following along on the journey because it's not a linear path. So I'll give you an example, and then we're going to jump into Lauren Morris, formerly known as Lauren Beasley That's of right. Move Inclusive Dance Studio in Nashville. We're going to talk all about Lauren, but for those of you who listened to our first episode with Lauren, we talked a lot about she's a nonprofit, but she runs her business like a boss for-profit business, and she was looking to raise venture capital. Now, what I want to make really clear in these follow-up interviews, for the most part, people are still journeying potentially towards that path. These things don't just happen like overnight. It's a process, and sometimes people pivot away after they either have a coaching call or they listen back to the podcast and they're like, do I really want to do that? So entrepreneurship is so iterative. It's iterative, even the span of like the same quarter listening to the same podcast. And so us being like this no BS show, we're not here teeing up this like bright, shiny, like Lauren, how are you doing with your raise? And Lauren's going to be like, it's done. That's not how entrepreneurship works. And I don't know how Lauren's raise is going and if she's done it or if she's not done it, we're going to find out in a minute but I'm just sort of setting up this show to let people know that entrepreneurship is messy AF and it's not linear and you need to be willing and able to pivot and change because good stuff happens and crappy stuff happens. And so with that really auspicious introduction, Lauren Morris, Lauren Beasley Morris, <laughs> yes, welcome back to the show and thanks for coming back and giving us an update on the business and where you are. And yes. if you even need to fundraise, because by the looks of your business, it looks like you're rocking. So tell us what's up. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And I, I loved just sitting here listening to everything you just said for two reasons. Number one, I think one of the best parts about iPhone Women to me is the community aspect of it. And I think that 
I've connected with so many women across the country that are doing all of these different things. And more than anything, like, yes, it's nice to see how they're doing what they're doing, or maybe pick up some tips or tricks from different people. But more than anything, I think we all just enjoy connecting and getting to watch each other on their journey, whatever that looks like. So I think that, that you're totally right. And I think that's awesome that the podcast may kind of turn more into that direction of just hearing people's stories and giving an opportunity for that community aspect. So that's really cool. And then number two, I love sitting here listening to it because I've made zero progress on what we talked about <laughs> since the last time we talked. So that's okay. Um, that yeah. is okay. So is it because, and by the way, not for nothing, you planned a COVID wedding like a post COVID wedding, but we're still in it. So like, I'm right. sure it was like a lot more planning than you thought. Yes, and, definitely. you know, so not for nothing, like you got married in between then and now, and I'm glad that you prioritized your beautiful nuptials over raising fucking venture capital, which is like <laughs> so, so soul crushing and would have made your skin look so shitty. You did the right thing. Go and be a beautiful bride and then figure it out. Because <laughs> if you did the opposite, you would have been like, hobbling down that aisle, right? Like, right. you know, one of your lashes falling off your face. Cause it's just so, it's so much work. Well, but, I think that too, when we talked, we, like you just said, we were kind of in that, that phase. We're obviously still very much in a pandemic, but you know, we were back in our in-person classes. So things were starting to happen IRL, if you will, for us again. And so while I had been, you know, so focused on doing everything virtually for so long and just truly trying to keep the ship afloat, things kind of started taking off. You know, we had our first recital a few weeks ago. So I had a big, it was a big planning event for that. We've had some fundraiser events. So everything kind of just picked up in a way, not that I wasn't ready for, but that just, this required me to shift my focus a little bit. And it sounds like they're positive things. So it sounds yeah. like they're rev revenue generating and funding generating activities. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. awesome. That's yes. so great when you don't, when it like just falls in your lap or you're like, oh my gosh, we have the recital. We got to sell tickets. We've got to get the students ready, all the things. That's great. That's revenue. Yes. Yes. And then fundraising is fundraising. So that's awesome. Totally. And I mean, the recital in particular, I think it was really good for me kind of grounding in a way to remember like why I started this and what I'm actually trying to achieve. And the recital gave me that opportunity to kind of just be in the moment and see exactly who is being impacted by what we've set out to do. And the parents and the community, we had over 200 people that came to the show and wow. people were just blown away. We have lots of new listeners who actually don't know what Move Inclusive is. I just assume that everybody knows. <laughs> so if you don't know, A, go and listen to Lauren's first one, but B, Laura, if you could just tell us what Move Inclusive is so people can have the context of why it's sure. all the feels when you get to the recital. Yes. So Move Inclusive Dance is a dance studio here in Nashville for people of all abilities. We opened in August 2019. So we had about six and a half months before COVID came onto the scene. And at first we were just focused on building up the studio and doing things in our community. Then COVID, like for many other businesses, forced us to pivot into a virtual setting. So now we also have a virtual platform where we have students that are across the country that tune into these weekly live stream classes. But then we also have the in-person lessons that happen here at our studio. You guys are making such a difference in Nashville. And actually it's interesting because so many of the women that we interviewed, obviously we did a lot of these interviews over COVID because we're still sort of in it, but not as much, obviously. But these interviews were done coming into 2021. 
and everyone was still very much in the COVID mind frame because the world had not opened up yet. Everyone wasn't vaccinated. And what I found so innovative with what you did is you took an insight from this mom from Seattle who had written into you to say like, hey, do you offer classes virtually? And all these people from around the country, because you're serving such a specific population of people. Yes. That parents are really, really desperate to find quality arts education for their loved one, their child, their adult child, the person they take care of, et cetera. And when I say quality arts education, I really mean that because there's so much stuff that is not that. And you really have very well-trained practitioners and dancers that have been in this space, servicing people with all abilities. And as a parent of a child with all abilities, I get it. So what you're doing is such an amazing service. And I think just seeing the growth, the digital growth is so, so interesting. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. So it's something that I would like to put more energy into because I do think that there's a lot that could be done with it. And again, what's really cool for me is that something that just kind of fell into my lap. Like you said, I wasn't looking to explore a virtual program of any kind, but I think that there is really a space for it. Yeah. So we have these, we do it through Zoom, small group classes where students, you know, they pick whichever style of dance they're most interested in and whatever fits with their schedule. And we have these 30 minute classes that happen throughout the week. And then we also have on our website, a new project that we launched called Move TV, which is a small collection. I'm planning to expand it of videos of pre-recorded dance videos where, you know, there's a ballet video, there's a hip hop video, and we're just teaching virtual classes because what was really, really cool whenever I first started having these parents reach out to me that weren't in my local community, I kept asking, how did you find us? And just like you said, parents are looking for something that is of good quality and that's going to keep their kid active, not only mentally, but physically and give them a social outlet as well. So parents just started Googling inclusive movement, all abilities, right? And so move inclusive dance pops up. And I mean, I never could have planned that whenever I was picking the name, but that has has worked out in our favor. And I think that doing the on-demand videos is just smart. It's scalable. Yeah. And a lot of times, at least I know for my guy who, by the way, just submitted his college applications. Oh. Just like, I mean, it's so crazy, Lauren, like it flies by. Okay. So let's get back to the recital because this is all coming full circle. So let's talk about the IRL of it all. Yes. So it was amazing. We had, I think 11 dances in total and we did it at the Nashville zoo, which was super cool. They have a little performance space. And so the recital was in the morning and then after it ended, all of the families got to just enjoy the zoo for the day. But and yeah, so what were you thinking as you were watching your students? So like- I had, I had one moment because we, as the teachers, we actually performed the, the dances with the dancers. And so right. um, yep. one of my dances, Karen, you know, this about me, like many entrepreneurs, I'm so just like constantly focused on 10 steps ahead of where I actually am. It's very, very hard for me to be in the moment and actually just like, be like, wow, this is what's happening and not thinking ahead. And so I had, I can think back on my life. There's like a handful of times where I've had those moments where I'm just completely stopped in my tracks and just so present. And 
I had one of those moments. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. And so I was on stage and in this dance throughout the choreography, there were moments where each dancer had like a little solo or a duet kind of moment. And so the piece started with one of my dancers doing a solo and I was next to her on the ground and she's standing doing the solo. And while I was watching her, I just, it took everything in me not to just like just break down in tears and I'm not an emotional crier type of person, but I was just so swept up by like, wow, this is amazing. And look at how amazing she is and so capable and just beautiful. And then I had to focus and be like, okay, now I have to dance. Did you think to yourself, cause those are the best moments. Did you think to yourself, I built this? Yes. I mean, not necessarily, but like, yes, it was that moment of like, wow, this is what it's all about. This is why I've set out to do this thing. And I say so many times to people, like when people follow us on Instagram, for example, you see all these like happy videos and you're like, oh my gosh, that must be just so much fun. And it is, it's the best job ever. And I wouldn't change it for anything, but it is a business. And so there are, you know, a lot of days where I forget why I even started or like what I'm even doing this for, because I'm focused on numbers and spreadsheets and whatever it may be, or writing grants. It was just so nice to be able to experience that in, because it was definitely hectic from the start of the show to the end of the show. It was just a lot of chaos on the, the back end of things. Hopefully that didn't, it doesn't sound like the audience felt that way, but for no, me- No, they never know. Yeah, they never for know. Me, for me, it felt really crazy, but it was so, so nice and such a blessing to be able to have that moment that I can look back on and be like, yes, I was so present and just like in awe of what we're creating. This has been the theme of these follow-ups, I have to say. And there's been a variety of, I think there's, I don't know if it's mercury in retrograde or what's going on, Yeah, but it's interesting because people are really, at least the women that we've re-interviewed for this um, little series of what we're doing, everyone's in a very reflective mood, myself included. Mm-hmm. And some of it's positive and some of it is questioning and like a little bit laden with some potential imposter syndrome. Yeah. In that, I'll give you an example. So I was talking to Winona Satcher, who I know, you know, Mm -hmm. and she and I were both having really shitty days. When I'm having really shitty days, it's not about like little things that happen because little things happen like every day when you're an entrepreneur, you got to put out a fire here, you got to put out a fire there, whatever. You almost get used to that after a certain point. But when you have a moment when someone makes you feel am I qualified to be the person to try to solve this massive systemic problem Mm -hmm. of women's businesses getting no funding and us being better entrepreneurs? Like I'm getting real macro with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So some days where I'm having like this meta moment of like, (laughs) am I qualified to be this chosen one to help solve this problem? Like, should it be a man? I'm actually not joking. Should mm-hmm. it be a man who can actually speak in their language? Right. And Winona was saying the same thing. So Winona just got her first manufacturing space, which is so amazing. So she can scale her operations. She got her space in a neighborhood where her grandparents used to work in a factory mm-hmm. and her grandfather in their little house down the road had a shotgun and was warding off the clan half the time. Mm. And so she said, it's been big news that her company, probably one of the only black female led real estate manufacturing companies, period, let alone in the deep South, she's in Atlanta. She's like, now I've become this sort of like local 
thought leader and someone who the community is relying on hmm. to revitalize this job market and this community that's been just left for dead. And now she's got 30 employees, all black and brown people, immigrants. She's scaling, she's rocking and rolling. Like she's doing great, but she's like, am I this person that's going to change the narrative that has been in our country for so long? And I know these are big, heavy, heavy things, but I'm wondering, do you ever feel that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's just part of it. And Unfortunately, when you're speaking her story, I'm thinking it's not that she doesn't want, I'm sure, to be a part of that and be the person to lead that, but that's not necessarily what she started out to do. And Correct. so I, I think it's that it's the unexpected piece of it that it can be very, very overwhelming for sure. So how do you deal with that? So for example, I'm sure you have lots of parents coming to you, like, can you do this? Can you do that? And things that you just can't do because it's not either part of the business or you can't scale in that way or whatever it is. I just wonder, do yeah. you feel this like huge sense of responsibility or I'm hoping your answer is no, because really it's a shitty feeling. No, I definitely do. I mean, it comes in waves for me. I also get a lot of people and I, and I love this, but I get a lot of people that reach out to me that are really interested in doing their own version of move inclusive dance. Yeah. I get a lot That's of that. That's cool. Hello yes. franchise. You did I, say you wanted to be, um, I know, I know. where did you work before? It was pure bar. Pure bar. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is really cool and exciting, but it can also be a little daunting at times. I, I don't know. Like I just kind of made this all up, you know, it was a lot of trial and error. It still is a lot of trial and error. So yeah, it can, it can bring like an, an extra weight of like, should I be the person that's actually doing this? And yeah. for me, because I didn't, someone listening has never heard my story before I started move. I didn't have any experience working with people with disabilities. I also didn't have any like personal connection to anyone with a disability that I knew of anyone that I was super close to or in my, you know, tight network of family and friends. And it was just something that was kind of laid on my heart and put in front of me. So I did tons of my first couple of years of kind of building move was I was just a sponge. I mean, I would talk to anyone who would listen, anyone who was a special education teacher or yeah. had a kid with special needs or a disability of some kind, or anyone who, you know, had a disability themselves and, and just learning through their experiences and their stories. So that's another piece of it for me is, and I, and I, obviously I know there's no question for me that this is my purpose and that this is what I was put on this earth to do. But sometimes I struggle with, well, do I actually know what I'm talking about? You just nailed it for both of us, by the way. Yeah. So this is why I love these conversations and the community that we've built. And I say we, because it really is a we in that we're all having these thoughts in our heads and we're not crazy. And it really is nice to talk to somebody else that can understand. Yeah. Because I didn't set out to be the person that was going to solve this systemic problem. I mean, we started the business because we were female founders who could not get funding, all the mm -hmm. Fs. And we were like, oh, there's a lot of women who need help and we can build a platform pretty quickly. So let's just do that. And it's not that we didn't know what we were getting into. I genuinely think that we didn't have any thoughts of this being successful. We had just sunsetted slash closed down the first startup. It failed. Yeah. And when we started this, 
we were very like footloose and fancy free in the sense that we were like, okay, we failed, we survived. And now we're trying this other thing because it seems like a lot more people need this Mm -hmm. other thing Mm -hmm. because they're telling us they do. So let's try and let's put up a WordPress page with a crowdfunding plugin and a Slack thing and to help people raise some money. And I genuinely did not know that this was going to be successful. Yeah. There was no thoughts of it whatsoever. And that we are on our sort of on the eve of our five-year anniversary, profitable, all the things. And I'm like, the weight and the responsibility is definitely getting to me. And it's getting to me in, in ways that I'm thinking of like, am I actually qualified to take this company to the next multiple levels that everyone is expecting from investors to customers, to the market and myself, right? You put more, the more you achieve, the more you want to achieve. Well, I think part of it too, like here, listening to you talk right now and just kind of thinking through it from my own perspective and other entrepreneurs that I know, you have a vision, obviously, if you set out to build something, you have a vision for, for what you want that to be. But I think once you get started, like we were talking about with Winona's story, how like, you know, there may be something that is unexpected that kind of falls into place for you or the people that you, that you're serving, you, you hear their personal stories and it makes it hold more weight. You knew that what you were doing was a problem that needed to be fixed. But once you started connecting with all of these women who have these stories, you, you want to make it better for them. And so I think that makes it a little heavier, right? Because it's personal now. It's personal. Absolutely. Maybe that's why we need to put a white man in charge over here. Cause it's not going to be personal. It's going to be all about numbers. He's going to scale this thing and, you know, help exponentially more women. I mean, that's seriously my thought process. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know, but maybe I just need a vacation. Yeah. I think you need a vacation. That's what it yeah. is. So the business is doing well. Let me ask you a couple questions. Did you change from a nonprofit to a for-profit yet? We have not, no. That's okay. By the way, this is not like a shame. There's no shame in this because you might not want to. Literally, that's why I was saying what I said in the beginning. We coach on things because that's what you think you want at that moment. And you're getting all your information and getting your ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. And everything in startup land is so iterative. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly, I don't want to say pivot because a pivot is like a total change, but things are just iterating over time. And you might have found in the last, you know, six months since we've spoken that, you know what, staying a nonprofit is actually the best move for you, or at least right now, that's the right place to be. Mm -hmm. And you may want to revisit it in another year. Who knows? So there's no shade in that. I just think it's interesting for the listeners to hear. And I wish I would have given you a heads up on asking you that question. Oh, no, no. You're like, no, we haven't. And here's why we haven't, you know? No, yeah. You shouldn't feel any shade on that or shame because your business is obviously doing so well and you're serving so many people. And if you're doing that as a nonprofit, all the more power to you. Yeah. I think you kind of summed it up for me just now. It's like I said, you know, things, my, my direction kind of just, like you said, it didn't fully pivot, but it shifted into all of these in-person events and fundraisers. And for, for right now, being a nonprofit, it is what makes the most sense. And after talking to my board and some of my mentors, it's not something that's off the table by any means, but for right now, that is just what feels like is the right move. That's so great. Yeah. I think we might drop on that. And for all of you listeners, I love Lauren's story. I love it because Hopefully this is going to inspire you to realize that even though 
Lauren, you are so freaking brave. Even though Lauren went on a podcast and was like, I'm here because I need to learn how to raise venture capital. I was like, great, let's learn how to raise VC. I'll tell you what I know. And then we got to the part where, and yet y'all need to go back and listen to this, like right meow. We got to the part where I was like, okay, how's your company registered? And she's like, I'm a nonprofit. Remember? I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't remember that. Because for all you nonprofit people, you know, we really require slash encourage you to run your business like a business. Just because yeah. you have a different task code doesn't mean you can't run a great business. So, yeah. but the point is, so Lauren came in with this one quote problem she wanted solved and through just natural course of business and momentum and things going in a good way in a certain direction. And in talking to her board, she decided, you know what, I'm going to stay a nonprofit and that's what's working for us. And that is so powerful. And I give you so much credit, Lauren, for a knowing your business, b using your resources, your board, mm-hmm. c growing and being confident in who you are. You don't have to be BC backed to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's the key. There's so much just BS out there about like, I have to raise BC or I'm not successful. Or I'm not a startup or I'm not, you know, one of the cool kids. That is the biggest pile of nonsense. And if you can avoid raising venture capital, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, alien, <laughs> aliens, children, whoever's listening to this, if you can run a business, that is profitable and sustainable and fulfills your heart and soul without raising venture capital, then you, my friends, have achieved the dream. (laughs) What do you think, Laura? Well, I appreciate you saying that because I, whenever you reached out to do a follow-up, I'm like, oh God, I don't, I don't know what we're going to talk about really, because I have done absolutely nothing in regards to the topic since the last time we spoke, but kind of talking through it with you today, it it does make me realize that I have. And even though it wasn't the direction that we discussed, that doesn't mean that I, that I've made zero progress. It just looks a little different than maybe I thought it would. Yeah. You made a decision. Making a decision is taking action. You just decided not to go the VC route and stay a nonprofit. Yeah. That's it. It's not like you did nothing. You did a lot. I love this. This is so great. So Lauren, you are a warrior princess. You are so awesome and brave. And thank you for being vulnerable enough to come on and be like, oh, I don't think I have anything to say. Oh my gosh. You know, when like, I know better. There you so go. I think it's so inspiring how people are just making their businesses work and it's not maybe what they thought it was going to be six or seven months ago, mm-hmm. but it's onward and upward. It's up and to the right. So with that, I want to thank you for coming on the show again. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Mrs. Morris. And (laughs) yeah, keep us posted if there's any big news or things going on from all your iPhone women family. We're just sending you so much love down in Nashville. Congratulations (laughs) on your, on the recital and all the feels and all the things. So I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Lord. Bye.